Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule. After watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there, and it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After Purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five-question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that, your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials, you can ask the presenter questions, and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. The other thing I wanted to show you over here is they've also added a project level and project management um, solution inside of QBOA as well. Uh, again, I would never go as far as to say it's a full-blown workflow solution, but again, if you're a really small practitioner, especially if you're working primarily with people inside of QBO, you can use this as a way of kind of tracking work inside of your organization. And you could also use this as a way for creating and managing 
requests from your clients for documentation, signing things, whatever you might need, okay? So we can come over here. There are several templates that are provided. You can also create your own custom project. Uh, let's just use a template here and let's just go ahead and say it's monthly bookkeeping. So I can come into my templates, click create project. And let's just say this is the Acme bookkeeping engagement. Actually, this is the Acme bookkeeping monthly. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and select the company. It's Acme Brick. Uh, we're gonna say that this is an engagement that at least at this point in time, it's gonna be the first one would be 930. We could set this as a repeatable engagement. So if it's something that, uh, for example, we are doing repeatedly, uh, we can automatically set this up so that it will repeat every single period. And so we could say once a month, once a quarter, once a year. And what it'll do is it will bring back this engagement in that appropriate period of time and uh, ensure that, you know, if it's work again, you're kind of doing regularly, it is, um, it is uh, up to date, you know, and it'll automatically add that data, uh, automatically add that data for you. Okay. So kind of cool in terms of, uh, uh, kind of keeping track of um, of the work that you're doing here. And you can say when it ends, you can add some additional details. Let's go ahead and save this though. And each project will also come up with a series of tasks. And so we can see over here on the right-hand side, uh, we can see those different tasks that are specified. And from those particular tasks, um, we can mark them as to be done. We can mark them as being in progress. We can mark them as being blocked. Uh, there's lots of different features that we can do with this and it'll kind of give us an outlook. Uh, we could switch the view over here to kind of being a list view and this would show us the particular client and the specific stage. You could certainly customize all of this. Uh, so if you needed to customize and add additional, you know, you know, additional steps, additional tasks, you can go ahead and do so. You can also switch over here to a calendar view and uh, you can see over here the specific tasks that are related to that particular engagement. So kind of useful to, uh, to be able to manage in that way. That's a relatively new feature as well. Okay. Alrighty. So that is your project management. Um, I, you know, frankly, I probably wouldn't use this myself. I've, you know, if I were still in public accounting, I think I would prefer to use a full blown project management solution, but, uh, you know, you got to remember that this isn't always designed for, uh, big firms, um, you know, this is a really free and useful tool for small firms. And that's where I think it would probably be best suited. Okay, so the next thing I wanna show you is gonna be the tag groups. And we're gonna switch over here, go back over here to our sample company file. Okay, and from our sample company file, what I wanna to explain to you are these tag groups. Now, custom tags are are kind of like locations in, in, in classes. Um, locations in classes, if you're not familiar with them, the best way of kind of describing them is like saying they are, uh, three-dimensional financial statements, um, with, uh, you know, your traditional income statement balance sheet, you've got your class, your, your accounts that are going down on the Y-axis classes and locations are on the X-axis that go across and it allows you to have a three-dimensional financial statement. I, I personally really like classes because it allows you to simplify the chart of accounts and instead of having to, for example, have like three meals and entertainment accounts, one for each division of the company, you can have a single meals and entertainment account and then have three classes for each division of the company. And then it creates a more consolidated and easier and more manageable uh, financial statement, at least in my opinion. Now, while we're on this, let's go ahead and specify where classes and locations are. 
uh, inside of QBO. It's not on by default. What we would end up doing is we would come on over here to your the gear icon, accountant settings, and we'd actually come over here to the advanced section. And then under our categories, this is gonna be where we can turn on either classes or locations. We can have one on, we could have both on. There's also some specific circumstances too, like, uh, um, you know, you can assign it one row per transaction or the entire transaction can have a class. I personally recommend you leave one row so you can have it like a journal entry and have it apply to multiple classes if need be, okay? So we can go ahead and we can turn on one or both of these. Location, at least the way I always think of it, this is to track like physical like locations. So like at the, you know, like a, you know, Los Angeles office versus San Diego office versus Sacramento office. Uh, that's how I would structure it. But technically, I mean, you could use this for divisions, departments, business units inside your company as well. For all intents and purposes, they're roughly the same. They work the same. Okay, so let's just go ahead and turn on classes. I'd also recommend you turn on this option here that says warn when a transaction is not assigned a class. And let, now that that's on, let's go run a, a quick report. And we're coming down here to reporting and we're gonna go ahead and choose profit and loss by class. And this is that, uh, this gives you kind of that three-dimensional uh, view. Let me just give and move just a couple things over to uh, different classes just so you can see this. Okay, so we're gonna add a class called construction and let's just go ahead and add a class. We'll call it just maintenance or something, you know, ongoing. And so um, we'll go back to our financial statement here. And what this system allows you to be able to do is, again, be able to see, be able to see things across um, multiple dimensions. And so in this particular case, you could see here, and I just made a really, really simple change. Uh, ultimately, it goes over to the total, and that's going to be the amount that we would uh, that we would want. Uh, but it allows you to kind of see each thing without having to create repetitive. Uh, uh, accounts to do so. Now for myself, the way I use classes is uh, I have a single QuickBooks record to manage my personal life. And then uh, within my personal life, like for example, I have classes that are set up to manage household expenses. Uh, and then, you know, I've got a couple of other side gigs to manage those income and expenses as well. But when I kind of summarize this, I can break down like expenses by the specific you know, part of my life. And so I can see just the personal expenses. I can see the joint expenses of my wife. I can see, for example, for my side hustles, you know, what those relative expenses might be, like my speaking and teaching. So that's where classes can be great. Now Intuit added another feature here called tags, okay? Now custom tags are like classes and location. They allow you to tag a transaction and then generate report based off of those tags. So we could create a, a tag of, let's say, XYZ, and then apply that tag to multiple transactions and then generate a report, which would include that tag. And you can also use this for money in and money out transactions, debit and credits through the banking center. And it allows you to kind of create these ad hoc reports that allow you to summarize those transactions without the rigid nature of uh, your account structure and classes and locations. You could still by all stretch use those this just gives you another level of categorization that you can choose to use uh, in your transactions. So let's come on over here. Let's pick like an invoice as an example. And I'm gonna go ahead and add a tag to this. You'll see this in the invoice sections up top. 
And I'm going to just tag this. Let's, let's say this is our Los Angeles office. Okay. So we're going to give it the tag of Los Angeles. And then maybe we also might tag this. Um, let's just say this is uh, um, um, services. Okay. We'll give that that tag as well. And so you can add as many of these different transaction uh, tags at, that you would like. Okay. So we've gone ahead and add that. Let's come on over here. Let's say, for example, to our banking and then to our banking transactions. Okay, here are our equipment rentals, same thing. We can go ahead and tag this Los Angeles service. And we're gonna go this to equipment rental. Okay, here's another transaction. Uh, you know, other transactions, we could add those uh, appropriate tags as well. And then ultimately, if we come down here to reports, we could look for uh, transaction list by tag or profit loss by tag. And what this will do is it'll allow us to be able to pull just those transactions that meet those tags. Now, the, the important thing to know here, how this is separate from classes and locations, is that these have no impact on the financial statements. Um, they allow you to identify those transactions but they are not materially part of the financial statements uh, themselves. Okay, so it's just a useful way of being able to organize information. All right, something new they've also added with respect to ports. Let's go ahead and grab a bigger report. Let's grab a profit loss here. Okay, and let's go ahead and do profit loss. Let's go ahead and print this guy. So we'll go ahead and hit the print button. They've added this thing called smart page breaks and repeat page header. Uh, what's nice about this is that it be, it's become a little bit more intelligent with respect to where it puts the breaks in the uh, reports. So you're not going to end up, for example, with just a you know really kind of orphaned set of content, and it'll get, become a little bit more intelligent with respect to where it will place um, the breaks. And it'll ensure that important information does not split across multiple pages. And this applies both to the... Um, this will apply uh, uh, to print, email, and anytime you save a report as a PDF. So all of these options here will apply to those smart page breaks. Okay, another thing that you can do here, uh, Intuit added a integration out to a payment provider called Milio. Uh, Milio, if you haven't worked with them before, is a payment service provider that will do online payments for your uh, AP. Give me a second, let me pop this up. Okay, so let's just say, for example, we've got some bills. And let me just go back to a prior bill here. Okay, you've got this option here that says schedule online payment. You can go ahead and click this guy right here. It's gonna load up the Melio integration. You'll, it just basically says it's Melio. And you'll set up an account. You'll specify what your, um, your bank should use and Milio will basically pay these bills for you. Now, sadly, you still got to have the money to pay these bills, but uh, the actual ACH or actual physical check that will get sent with this, uh, Milio will take care of. Now, I've used Milio for about a year and a half now. I had really good success with it. Um, I will point out a couple things with respect to Milio that are useful for you to know. The hardest part with this is the timing. Uh, Milio is not fast at all. But frankly, none of these online uh, service providers, including your bank, the only time to get like money, like immediately to someone is really a wire transfer. But uh, most of these online bill payment solutions, 
uh, usually take anywhere from three to five days to actually be able to process these transactions. Uh, so with Melio, and you can just go to meliopayments.com, melio.me is another option here. You can just sign up for this uh, and they'll basically pay uh, or they'll basically process all your payments automatically for you. Uh, and you can use this with QuickBooks Desktop as well. It doesn't integrate automatically with QuickBooks Desktop. So it doesn't have the data sharing where it will actually put in your bills um, like um, it will for QuickBooks Online, but it'll actually pay everything for you. Now, Melio, if you wanted to use it for paying your bills, is 100% free as long as you work within the context of their application. Uh, so free ACH bank transfers. It's actually free to actually send checks too. So like if you, like, let's say you got a vendor and they only accept physical check payment, not a problem. You can use Melio for this. They will, at their expense, print and mail a check with postage to that particular person. The fees they do charge, if you want to pay a bill with a credit card, they charge about a 3% credit card fee, likewise with the debit card fee. If you want to transfer money to someone and you want it to become there, it's same day, they charge 1%, and that fee is not capped. It's not like 1% up to 10 bucks. If you're sending somebody, you know, if you're sending somebody uh, $1,000, it's going to be a $10 fee. If you're sending somebody more than that, just 1% of that, you're going to pay to Melio to get that money right there. So that's that's the rough fees. I've got some other fees here for like expedited check delivery, so on and so forth. Pretty good. You know, I, I mean, pretty good. I, I've got nothing really bad to say. I, I guess I mentioned I've used this personally to sense. Actually, you can't use this personally. You can only use this professionally. But I have used this to in my own personal life to be able to pay professional bills. But you can't send money to um, it's not like a replacement of Venmo or PayPal. This is intended to be business to business. Okay. My personal preference, though, and the one I would encourage you to check out, it's a competitor product. Again, CorePay One. Uh, it does everything that Milio does, and it's even cheaper. Um, they, uh, I mean, they're really great. And they even have, for example, the CorePay credit cards that you can get for your staff. Um, you know, and I, I do practice what I preach here. Let me go ahead and, and cover up my uh, my name and everything. But I do actually carry this, and actually, we use this now for all of our staff. And uh, the automation and the and the workflow tools related to CorePay uh, are great. And it integrates uh, not only with QuickBooks, but other accounting solutions as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I personally recommend you check this out. However, with QBO, it's got a native integration to that Melio service, and it's just built right in there. So, uh, yeah, it's just built right into the actual application itself. Okay, so that is the online bill pay. They're just making that simpler, faster for you. Okay, uh, they've got the month end review workflow. And with this, you can um, review the month end procedures for a particular client. You can't see this here because we are in a um, sample file, but normally up here in the upper left, you'll see a little thing that will say month end review. It basically just brings together all the month end stuff that would um, you'd wanna know with respect to a client and to better manage that, uh, that client's um, uh, month end procedures. So kind of cool. Uh, they've also improved the search capabilities. Uh, they've got enhanced search now. Uh, where you're going to find the search is going to be up here in the upper right-hand corner. And this is where you can go and search by specific transactions, person, company, amount. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, basically you just go ahead and search for stuff of what you're looking for. So if I wanted to go find Ellis Equipment Rental, I can just type in Ellis as an example. And it's going to attempt to go find those uh those uh, transactions that meet those characteristics. And you can also filter down further. So if you know the specific product account or something else, you can go uh, find it that way. Now, the rest of the material inside of this uh, 
section here is really kind of discussing some of the differences between QBO, QBD, QBE, and all the differences between like the different versions, like the contractor edition, the not-for-profit edition, the uh, professional service editions, and more. Um, I've probably referenced a lot of this as we've kind of been talking through, but I'll leave you to be able to kind of read through the licensing difference. And in the interest of time, I'm going to keep moving forward with our presentation. Uh, from my perspective, though, uh, if I were to kind of like, let's say, finish with a general understanding of where each of these products shine. And this is just, again, my, my, my position here. Um, they're all entrepreneurial and small business products. Uh, they're all useful for... Um, you know, small business in, in all those different forms. I've always felt that Intuit products best fit in in organizations under 20 million in sales, uh, low complexity of their accounting and service oriented businesses. That's really generally where I found them to fit in well. Um, when it comes to QBO, the type of businesses that I think work well, 100% service oriented or organizations with limited inventory complexity and limited accounting complexity. Uh, where QBO fits in well is for professional service firms, consulting companies, doctor's offices, where they don't need a tremendous amount of complexity with respect to their uh, books and records. And they're looking for something that's easy to use, easy to understand, easy to get up and running. You know, that that's kind of generally where I've always felt that that, that will work out well. Um, avoid QBO for anything with high complexity in inventory. I would tell you to avoid really any of these products with high complexity of inventory, but especially online. And um, for QBD, it still definitely certainly has a spot. I would tell you if there's certain specific features of QBD, you know, I know a lot of people are familiar and feel uh, pretty um, comfortable with the budget and forecasting or the point of sale stuff that you can do in here. That's certainly a continuing reason to use it. Um, for QuickBooks Enterprise, I think, you know, organizations that really, I would say, come down to three things inside of QBE that separate it from the Premier uh, version. One, number of users that need to access it. It goes up to 25, okay? Number two, higher complexity of inventory. Again, it's not perfect, but it goes up, okay? And then number three would be the additional user roles and accesses to security where you can actually designate what users can do what. And then I think that's a that makes it a good fit. Okay, so hopefully that's helpful for you. Hopefully that gives you some pretty good insight, at least from my perspective of when and where you might want to leverage these different uh, different versions of the application. But check out the rest of chapter two there and it's gonna have all that data available. All right, so in our next section, let's go ahead and get started with data files. And uh, there are a lot of options for creating data files for companies that are gonna be using QuickBooks. Uh, how you go about doing this is going to vary um, depending on the product you're working with, if it's the online product versus if it is the um, desktop product. Desktop and enterprise relatively the same. I would tell you before you get started, do a little bit of thinking, do a little bit of research, interview the client, kind of figure out what the goals and objectives are for the project. And it's always best to kind of lay out all your different opportunities, you know, all the different data you're going to need ahead of time uh, before you actually get started uh, with this. So we're going to talk about some of the different ways of creating um, files in QuickBooks Desktop in the online environment, some different ways of securing QuickBooks, uh, distinguishing between some of the different classes and preferences between these different settings, uh, and how to also handle some of your, for your kind of your opening uh, balance stuff inside of the uh, application itself. Okay. Now, when you get started with this, and hopefully QuickBooks will let us do this here. Okay, let's go ahead and create a new company file. Uh, we're gonna come up here to the file menu. We're gonna go ahead and select new company. 
And it's going to have what they call their um, easy step interview process uh, to get started with this. Okay. First question is who's setting this up? Now the accountant can absolutely set this up and then send the client a QBW file or a backup file that'll have all the preferences and things that are ready to go. When I worked a lot more in public accounting and I was doing this on a more regular basis, I had a like blank template file that I used and it was just kind of like my default go-to. And for example, in that template file, it would include things like the chart of accounts, the numbering, you know, that I personally use. So for example, like, 873 was reimbursed expenses, 850 was supplies, 810 was technology, mostly for my benefit. You know, so if I was doing accounting work and I was coding something, I knew where all the account numbers would be. So I, I never had to go through this more than a couple of times, um, you know, in terms of kind of getting this set up. Uh, my preference was always to use that template and then copy that template and, and revise it as needed and kind of build it out to meet those specific needs of what the client needed. Okay. Going through this though, you can either set it up for yourself. You can go ahead and set it up on somebody on behalf of somebody else. Okay, and it's gonna walk you through this kind of setup process here. So what's the name of the business? It's gonna ask you stuff like, you know, what industry you're in, what business type you're in. Uh, let's just go ahead and say this is for Acme, Brick Company. Okay, our industry, uh, let's say it's manufacturing, business type. This is obviously gonna preset the stuff for the, um, you know, the uh, balance sheet and income statement by tax type. So, you know, if it's an 1120 or if it's a uh, 1065, things go to the correct place. Okay, what's our admin email? So I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, admin at themanx.io. What's our, and then the rest of this information, you can just go ahead and do uh, separately. Okay, and that's gonna go ahead and preset a lot of those particular options uh, that you are going to need, okay? So let's go ahead and create this. And this now has given me the most generic and default of um, options, okay? Now, if the company, uh, if the client actually ends up going through and they do this themselves, it's gonna give them a little bit more of an, a kind of like a, you know, kind of a um, walkthrough process. It's also gonna require them to have an Intuit account in, in, toward, in terms of being able to, to reasonably kind of set this up as well. Uh, but it'll ask other questions, you know, like what kind of things do you want in your chart of accounts? You know, what does this, that, or the other that you want set up here? After kind of creating a, a company file, um, you know, you should start uh, kind of asking yourself some specific questions about how you want to ultimately leverage um, this particular file. And I'm going to go ahead and just switch back over here to our sample file. So we actually have some data to work with here. And you should start kind of like, kind of thinking through, you know, how you ultimately want to leverage and use uh, this. And so I've, if you look uh, in this particular chapter on page 66, I've got some questions uh, that you should probably be asking yourself with respect to how and where uh, this file should be using, you know? So for example, okay, does the company want to sell services, products, or both? Um, are you gonna have to deal with things like sales tax? Uh, what do you want to do with payroll? Okay. Um, do you want to do billing statements? Uh, do you want to use invoices, accounts payable, credit cards? All those kind of things are going to have kind of their own specific setup and configuration uh, that you're going to want to ultimately uh, use. Okay, and then a big time, a big question also with respect to kind of getting started here is like when do you actually want to um, create the file and when is it going to be as of? 
Uh, I would tell you, you're always best choosing a period ending date uh, or, you know, a, a, a standard period ending date with respect to getting started here. What do I mean by this? Like, it doesn't make sense. And I think we all know this. Like, you don't start doing an accounting file on, on July, you know, 8th. You know, ideally you would pick 1231. And so you have a clean start as of 1-1. That's always the best. At the very, you know, I'd say at the very worst, you need to pick a, a month end. So, you know, start on one, you know, one, one, two, one, three, one uh, appropriately, you know, so that just makes everything kind of simpler and easier and faster um, with respect to the, uh, with respect to the work that you want to do. Okay. Now, what you can do if you're doing a lot of this with respect to your clients, again, reset your options here, you know, go ahead and, 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 you know, I would tell you to kind of go nuts in, uh, in the sense of like kind of building out your preferences, you know, set all this stuff up the way you want it to be. Likewise, you can come on over here to your list and set up your chart of accounts exactly the way you want it to be, your memorized reports exactly the way you want it to be. And then if you want to create templates from this, okay, you could do so really, really quickly. From this particular screen over here, you'll see from other options and you'll see this option here that says create a company from an existing company file. And from here, we could basically point it to that existing file. It won't pull out any of the transaction history, it just pulls all the preferences and the items and the, you know, all the stuff that you would normally need uh, in here. And that's just essentially how I got this set up and, and ready to go. So I would tell you um, from a professional accounting perspective, you're better off utilizing a, a template because it'll make sure that if at the very, uh, you'll always be consistent with respect to the work that you are actually doing. Okay, so your account balances, your transactions, none of that stuff is going to be moved from one from one company to the other. Okay, so let's talk about setting up a company in QBO. All right, so a couple of different things that you can do with respect to setting up your company in QBO. Um, let's talk about it from the context first. Let's say you've got a client that is already a QBO subscriber and they're already utilizing QBO. So first off, uh, first off, with respect to um, QBO, they're not going to be able to get that subscriber discount that I told you that you can get through QBOA. That 30% off only applies to new subscriptions. Okay. And uh, and it's only going to apply to those new, those new people that are in there. Now, let's just say, for example, they are already leveraging QuickBooks and they want to be able, you want to be able to access their books and records uh, inside of your QBOA account. Well, what they can do is they can invite you as the external accountant to come in and have access to their books and records. And if you're using QBO, what's kind of cool about this is that you can then access it as uh, as needed. So what this would end up looking like is it would end up looking like the user would come on over here to the little gear icon. And from the little gear icon, they're gonna go ahead and choose the option here that says manage users. And from the manage users, uh, there's an option here that says accounting firms. And this is going to be where they're going to go ahead and map in that particular accounting firm. Okay. So um, what email do you use for the accountant? Well, what you want to do is you actually want to use, and the accountant would tell this, would tell this user ahead of time, like, Hey, here's my QBO email. Um, and then they would invite that user in. So it would hopefully be something like admin at firmname.com. Um, it could be that, that particular practitioner's normal email. 
What I always recommend when you're signing up for services like this is that you have a separate email account not tied to an individual. And you certainly, if you're going to do tied to an individual, it wants you need to do it to the proprietor of the business, the partner of the business. You wouldn't want to, for example, set up your um, QBO subscription and have like an intern, you know, set this up for you. Um, I would tell you that uh, that uh, uh, with respect to this, it should always be the partner, and preferably you set it up like a support at firm name, a, a you know uh, admin at firm name. Don't preferably tie this to your individual email, you know, because it gives you a little bit more a little bit more um, flexibility in the future. Okay, so um, you're going to want to invite whoever the primary is here, and then this will send an invitation to that QuickBooks uh, QBOA subscriber, and if they already have a QBOA account. They're locked and loaded and they'll be able to uh, get in, okay? So that's option one. Now, option two is the practitioner can set this up on behalf of the client. So what we wanna do here is go back to our firm dashboard, okay? Let me just go ahead and sign back in. And what we're gonna go ahead and choose here is going to be on the left-hand side here under clients. And then we're gonna choose this option up top that says add client. And this is gonna give you where we can go through and we can actually add and set up this particular client. Um, so we can give it, uh, it could be for an individual, it could be for business name, email, that's all we need. And then down here, this is gonna be where we would go ahead and then choose how this product is licensed. Uh, so is it a subscription, is it no subscription? If it's no subscription, that's fine. You basically just put them into your client list and then you can track, like I said, you know, projects and you can track information about that particular client. Um, yeah, that's essentially how that would uh, how that would actually end up going. Okay, so that that's kind of what that intended uh, purpose uh, would be. Okay, so um, we would set this up here. If it's a pro advisor discount, you're they're going to bill you, and you could build a client. If it's direct discount, you still get that thirty percent discount, but they bill the client directly, and you just choose whatever, whatever, uh, whatever. Um, level of subscription and payroll product that you actually want uh, in here. And then what this will do is it'll provision the client. It'll send an invitation out to that client for um, um, saying that they've got a new QuickBook, uh, a QuickBooks set up here, and then they can go ahead and they can access it and start going through the automatic onboarding uh, process with this. Okay. Now there's a couple gotchas with respect to QBO. And the biggest gotcha that I would tell you is that in general, you can't delete anything from QBO. Um, so, you know, sometimes you get clients, they'll screw this up so bad and it can be really, uh, difficult to kind of reconcile those, um, those kind of poor configuration choices. Uh, so, you know, I would always tell you, it's kind of generally better to, to let the, um, to kind of let the accountant set this up and then ultimately turn it over to the, to the, uh, to the client to be able to consider, uh, to consider using. Okay, now there are a couple of other things with respect to getting started here that are also useful for you to know. Okay, so um, you need to understand this is a couple of different roles. There is a master administrator and a company administrator. Okay, when you're subscribed to QBO, one user will ultimately be what's called the master admin and the master admin has full rights and access to all elements of the QBO subscription. And technically, you know, it's usually going to be the person who initially created a QBO uh, subscription. If the external accountant created the QBO subscription, by default, they're going to be the master admin. Now, you can transfer this uh, to other people. If you come up here to the little gear icon, you'll see an option. 
actually let's just switch over to the company file because that's more relevant there anyway. All right. So inside of that company file, um, there'll be an option. And we looked at it a minute ago with respect to the external accountant. So again, we'll come up here to the gear icon and we're gonna go ahead and select manage users. Okay, there are no users set up for this demo file, but you'll see here under this uh, user type, there'd be a master admin and then a company admin. And you, I would tell you it's always better, you know, once you set this up to then transfer that administrative user over, okay? And uh, somebody in that company should be set up as the master admin, so they have full rights. And even if they choose to leave the firm, they have complete control over their data. Now you also have what's called the company admin. They, they can do anything. And they're basically just a full rights user inside of uh, QBO. Uh, but beyond, you know, having full rights, they don't control billing. They don't control uh, other aspects of the subscription. That's going to be that master admin uh, role. Okay. So that's something to consider. And in terms of how you kind of get this set up. Now, there are a couple other types of users that you should be familiar with when you're getting set up in QBO for your clients. Okay. You've got standard user, company admin, reports, and then time tracking. Okay, so starting off here at the bottom, time tracking users, they basically only use the time tracking feature in QBO. They can track and enter time in timesheets for themselves. It's basically a payroll user. There used to be another product called T-Sheets, which Intuit bought uh, probably about a year ago. Now it's just called QuickBooks Time. And basically, if you wanted to use this as a timekeeping application, you could set up users as that time tracking only, okay? Now you got report only users. This is only available if you're running QBO plus or advanced. And these are users that can only access reports. Uh, so think of like your executives, directors, they can pull down sales reports. They can pull down, you know, uh, whatever type of report they need, but they can't aspects, ask, it cannot access other aspects of the applications. They can't put in bills. They can't write checks. Uh, they also cannot ex access payroll reports either uh, or any report that shows uh, contact information but they can create custom reports and they can also add reporting groups. Okay. Uh, there's actually another one um, called go uh, payment only users as well. Um, and basically these are people that use a service called go payment, and then you can record payments through go payment that will ultimately get pushed through to uh, QBO. So that is uh, what it looks like to create those different users inside of QBO. Let's talk about getting your data and importing data into QBO. Now, from my perspective, there are three options with respect to getting your data into QBO, okay? Now, option one is you just start from scratch. So in this particular option, what you would end up doing is exactly what it sounds like. You basically come on over here to the gear icon, you'd select all lists, chart of accounts, and you basically just go nuts and you start customizing the chart of accounts it will give you a very, very brief set of accounts with some basic stuff in here, and then you can just create whatever else you might need. Uh, likewise, you'd come on over here to, you know, sales and then customers and manually start to create your specific customers. Okay. This is a good option for brand new businesses that don't know any better. They don't have any, you know, data to bring in, you know, small entrepreneurial businesses that are just getting started. Just let them set this stuff up. Right. Okay. All right. So. The next option is you can import in some information. Now, QBO, unfortunately, doesn't really have a lot of import options. Um, we're gonna talk about bringing in your existing QuickBooks desktop file into QBO, but when it comes to, you know, like importing in transactions, you really are really quite limited with respect to QBO. 
Um, there's really only a few things that you can actually bring in customers. You can bring in vendors, you can bring in your chart of accounts, you can bring in, and then your products and, uh, basically inventory and service information. And the way you're going to go ahead and bounce doing this is that you're going to come on up here to the gear icon from the gear icon. You're going to go ahead and select import, and then you can go ahead and you can see some of the data. And this actual one over here, I think is actually, yeah, no, that's, that's, I'll talk about that here in a minute. But your standard import tools, uh, when you're getting started with a brand new file, it's really customers, vendors, chart of accounts, products, and services. And in fact, uh, this invoice is one I think is relatively new because I don't remember seeing that there since the last time I taught my class here. Now for your customers, this is going to be where you can go ahead and you can either upload a CSV file or an Excel file. You could also point it to a Google Sheet if you'd like. Uh, they've got a sample file that you can bring in. And what you would do here offline, you would go to whatever solution you're using and you would, you know, export the data out of that particular solution. And you put it into this exact format. The only field that's required is name. And then you can optionally provide this other information. So company, customer type, email, phone, fax, website, street, so on and so forth. And this will just import this data directly in, uh, including your opening balances. And so they've got this for all of uh, those other fields that I mentioned. So, you know, vendors is going to look almost identical to chart uh, to uh, customers, chart of accounts. I'll rem remind you, unless you're running the advanced edition, the plus and lower are limited to 250 accounts. So remember, if you happen to have a um, longer set of chart of accounts, you're going to need to abbreviate them before you actually put them into the solution. Okay. And the, the accounts and the types and the bank details, you're definitely going to want to pay attention to what options are present in the application. If we come back over here to the gear icon and then we go ahead and select lists or better yet from the accounting tools, select chart of accounts. Okay. You're going to want to make sure that the options that you're choosing here are in the application. You know, that these are options that are supported. And I'm specifically talking about, for example, uh, the types of accounts that you're listed. You know, so if I go to create a new account as an example here, um, I have to I have to choose one of these options and it has to be something that exists inside of the application already. Okay, you can import in these transactions as well. And so that's how you would go ahead and, about, and go about doing it. Okay. Now, once you actually upload those CSV files, it'll then ask you to do a mapping. So if you're not, your headers aren't exactly mapped the same, you can map them into where the correct place they're supposed to go. Okay. All right. Now, um, there is one other method uh, before we get to the QuickBooks desktop that I would want to point out to you, and that's to utilize a uh, an app and a third-party tool. You know, one of the cool things with respect to uh, QBO is the fact that with respect to QBO, there are a number of amazing third-party solutions coming from all different types of companies and types. There are tools to manage customers, there's tools to manage reporting, there's tools to manage sales tax, payroll, you name it, there's a product and somebody has made an integration to that specific product for you to leverage. Okay, so QuickBooks has this really kind of robust uh, app marketplace where you can uh, shop third-party tools. And there are a number of tools inside of here that can be really useful for importing and managing data inside of your QuickBooks file.
So um, one tool that I really like is called Sassant. Okay, and you'll see it right here. It's bulk import from Excel. And with this particular tool, uh, we can uh, import in with a much higher degree of customization and specificity with respect to the actual data itself uh, into QuickBooks. And you can also import in stuff that frankly you can't do in the actual application. Um, like, you know, they offer additional import things that uh, the normal import capabilities inside inside of QBO don't have. So like, for example, you can using this tool, bring in a lot more data. So you can bring in, for example, your expenses, your checks, your bill payments. You can import in all your other different types of lists, journal entries, and it actually uses what's called an API, an application programming interface. Uh, so it's doing it on the data side of this uh, through the Intuit QBO API to bring this data in. And just for one reason or the other, Intuit's never decided to extend that functionality natively. So this is a tool that you can use that if you do have really complex data that you want to migrate into QBO, you can go ahead and set up this way. I've used this tool repeatedly. It is not a tool that you need to subscribe to forever, although there is a lot of value to be able to use this tool. Um, this is a tool that you can use just to set up your, your client's books and records, import in all those transactions and to be done with it. The other cool thing about this particular tool is that you can delete stuff that you cannot do inside of the application. You can do an import in, check the data, figure out if it worked or not. And if it did great, you know, you can just go ahead and leave it imported in. But if it didn't, you can actually recall all that data and delete it out, fix it, and then re-upload it again. Now, when it comes to doing complicated QBO implementations, this is absolutely the, pro the approach I would tell you to go to. What you're going to want to do is work with whatever your existing accounting product is, get the data cleaned up, and then import that data into QBO. Okay, now I'll talk about some of my best practices with respect to implementing uh, QBO and QBD here in a minute. And this applies to all accounting systems, not just necessarily those two, uh, those two products. Okay, now the other option is that you can import in from the desktop application, okay? And so you can go ahead and you can convert in from uh, an existing desktop file directly into QBO. Now you can access this a couple different ways. Come up here to the gear icon. You can select this option here that says import desktop data. And you can just read a little bit about it. It'll tell you how to get this set up. Okay. Where you're going to access this inside of QBD, you're going to come up here to the file menu for the file menu utilities. And then you're going to go ahead and select this option, move QuickBooks. Sorry, copy quick company file to QuickBooks online. Okay. So for this, this is going to create kind of an online version of this. Give this a second. Well, you're not really messing up. It creates this OE file and then uh, it'll walk you through a whole process where we'll upload the transactions. And uh, while that's coming up here, I actually have some really good info on, uh, on the conversions that I think you should know as well. So let me just go ahead and walk you through that. These are part of the materials I uploaded. So if you'd like to copy these slides again, you got it uh, right here. Okay, uh, just check the chat. Okay, so um, if you want to upload your QBD file or QBE file up to QBO, you can go ahead and do so. A couple things you need to know. You cannot do this off every version of QuickBooks desktop. Has to be running an up-to-date version of 2019 or later. And for the older versions of QuickBooks desktop, there's some gotchas specifically around uh, the number of targets. Targets are kind of like data points inside of the QuickBooks file. And so if... Um, if you're running on the latest, like QuickBooks 2022, 
you can upload a total of 750,000 targets. And think of those as being everything from journal entries to invoices to whatever, you know, you can upload that. If not, you got to go run that, uh, that compress uh, tool that I showed you at the beginning of our session today, where you actually will remove those transactions because it will not upgrade. It will not upload if it is bigger than this. Okay. Definitely pay special attention um, to payroll, payments, customers, and vendors. Intuit has a whole list of gotchas right here that you can read about that will um, absolutely cause you issues. And there's certain things that will not transfer from QBO or from QBD up to QBE. For example, anything involving credit card numbers, if you've got stored payment information from your customers, will not transfer. Okay. And so there's a whole complete list provided at this URL here. These are related to QBO, but really it just, it speaks to anything. Anytime you're converting an accounting system here, uh, as I mentioned, always do this if you can at a, at a logical period inside of the business, uh, preferably 1231 if they're a calendar year, or preferably at the end of the fiscal period and start your new accounting records in that new fiscal period. So you have a full year. There's nothing worse than having to go back to two different systems to review the data. All right, so whenever possible, do it at a period ending date. Next, go ahead and reconcile all of your accounts. Uh, balance, if you can, reconcile all your balance sheet accounts. If you can't, at the very minimum, absolutely reconcile your bank and credit card accounts. Make sure that all of those transactions are in. Uh, prepare all of your financial statements using the existing uh, accounting system, so QBD for that matter. or It can even be from one QuickBooks file to a new QuickBooks file. You know, Finish it in one and then uh, do all of your financial statements out of that existing file. Export, print all of your financial statements, income statement, balance sheet, general ledger. Uh, you can print them if you feel more comfortable with that, having hard copies, at the very minimum, create PDFs of these things. And that's the gospel, essentially. Those are like those are what the financial statements are and the opening balances uh, for that future system. And then go through that conversion process where you're actually going to import the data either uh, manually setting up the, the records, importing in the records using Intuit's native functionality, using a tool such as Sassant, or maybe you even upload um, the QuickBooks desktop file to QBO. Either way, uh, you're going to go ahead and put that in. And then ultimately, you're going to want to compare the data in the new system to the old system. And so you should still be able to go and run, for example, like a financial statement as of you know, 1231, which should be your one, one opening balances and the financial system, financial statements from the new system and the old system should be identical to each other. And then if not, you obviously need to correct wherever those uh, issues might be. Okay. And remember, you can always keep a copy of the QBD file too. There's no, there's no reason um, you can't, uh, you can't keep a copy of that. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my personal preference with respect to, to moving between accounting systems, whether you're using, you know, QBD or QBO, it doesn't really matter. Um, ultimately, just do what's ever in the best interest of the client. Now, I do have a preference with respect to uploading QB files to QBO, and I, I preferably do not do it. And it is, it is always my preference to start off fresh in whatever that accounting system is, because even if you've been absolutely diligent and clean, there's always mess and there's always just stuff that doesn't translate correctly from one system to the other. Again, there's a whole series of gotchas that you should be aware of. Um, in practice, I mean, in, in theory, it sounds like it, it should be easy peasy in practice. It's always been kind of a headache for me. And so that's always been my preference is to manually set up that file for that client. So uh, one thing I will point out to you, you can also pull your data down from QuickBooks online to QuickBooks desktop. 
If you're not happy with it, not a problem. You can go ahead and take your data and, and go. Um, and what this will do is that QBO will actually generate a QBD file, a QuickBooks desktop backup file that you can then restore and uh, operate just like a standard QuickBooks file. I'll show you this website here in a minute because there's a whole tool that you can walk through with this. Um, there's some principles here, how you want to do it. It's pretty much the exact same steps I specify here. Just like with the QuickBooks upload, there's also a whole bunch of gotchas with the QuickBooks download about how certain things will not pull down. And it just has to come down to the fact that QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online are different products. Uh, a lot of people get frustrated. They think, you know, like, oh, it's just the cloud version of online of the desktop. It's not. They share a name. They're both called QuickBooks. They're owned by one company, but they are completely separate products. And so they work in a lot of ways very differently to each other. And so there's a whole bunch of gotchas that you should know because it will it, it will have um, some specific things that it will uh, will not be able to do for you. Okay. And, but you can pull it down and it will generate that file for you automatically. Okay. So go check out the links I've provided here and that'll tell you a little bit more about what you can expect when you migrate between these different solutions. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.